Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Sports Show. Um, it's a full action-packed house today as Andrew is back with us this afternoon. And our sports fact of today, March 29th, um, our sports fact is that the North Carolina Tar Heels outlast the Georgetown Hoyas by a final score of 63-62 to in the NCAA Men's Championship game in the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans. And with 15 seconds remaining, freshman Michael Jordan puts up the, or puts the Tar Heels ahead by one point with an 18 foot jumper. With seven seconds left, Georgetown sophomore guard Freddie Brown brings the ball up the court and mistakenly throws the ball to North Carolina's James Worthy, who winds up with 28 points on 13 of 17 shooting. Hoya's freshman center Patrick Ewing finishes with 23 points, 11 rebounds, and four goaltending calls. So that is really an interesting fact. We have three of the four players mentioned in this um, little fact for today. Three of uh, those four players um, have now been considered NBA all-time legends. We have really um, um, one player who's considered to be the greatest of all time in Michael Jordan. And then, of course, Laker legend James Worthy, um, along with another uh, New York Knicks legend, Patrick Ewing. So three of those four players who have, you know, phenomenal careers and really established themselves in the NBA early. Um, really a terrific fact for this week. And speaking of NCAA basketball, um, Andrew and I are going to talk about that in a few minutes here. But first, let's get to soccer and the MLS. And the standings right now, D.C. United in first place with seven points. In three matches played, they um, have two wins, um, one draw, and no losses so far. And the newly acquired MLS team, FC Cincinnati, from Ohio, of course, um, in four games, they have won two of those games and have um, had a draw and a loss in the other two. And then the very own Columbus crew, the other Ohio team, sitting in third place um, with the same point differential as Cincinnati do in four matches played. They have two wins, one draw, as well as a loss. Toronto FC, Montreal Impact, um, Orlando City, and the New York Red Bulls um, finish out that remaining playoff picture for um, the MLS in the Eastern Conference. Now in the Western Conference, LAFC um, have the, excuse me, are the first team um, to get into double-digit uh, points earned this season, as in four matches played, they have three wins, one draw, and um, no losses so far. And the top three teams, interestingly, in the MLS Western Conference, um, none of them have suffered a loss yet. Um, speaking of those top three teams, and number two, the Seattle Sounders, um, three matches played, um, perfect record so far, uh, three wins, zero draws, and zero losses for a combined nine points, and then the Houston Dynamo to finish out that top three seeding in the Western Conference, have um, two wins, a draw, as well as a loss for a combined seven points. And more specifically for all of you Columbus Crew fans out there, uh, Columbus uh, will be playing Atlanta United tomorrow um, at Matt Frey Stadium. Atlanta United, the uh, defending champions of the MLS, will be coming to Columbus um, for a date with the crew. And then the crew will also host the New England Revolution next Saturday, um, April 6th, 
And then a week later after that, the Montreal Impact will host the Columbus Crew um, out all the way in Montreal, Canada. And that concludes our um, MLS segment of um, uh, today's sh show. What I want to get to now is, um, Andrew, we've been talking about this a lot. We've been uh, hearing about it a lot in school. And the um, March Madness NAAC basketball, the Sweet 16 is um, well underway. As the force, first in our first four games, um, we had Gonzaga beating Florida State 72-58. to uh, Purdue with a five-point win over Tennessee, 99-94. And then Texas Tech defeated Michigan by 19 points by a final score of 63 to 44. Oregon defeated, or excuse me, Oregon lost to Virginia by a final score of four. Um, 53 to 49 was the final score of that game. And for tonight's schedule, LSU and Michigan State will be facing off um, today at 7.09. Auburn and UNC, um, will be battling it out today at 7.29. Um, Virginia Tech and number one seeded Duke with Zion Williamson will face off at 9.39. And then Houston and Kentucky. Houston actually defeated um, Ohio State <coughs> um, by a final score of 74-59 to this past Sunday. And now they will look uh, to defeat uh, the University of Kentucky at 10 o'clock this evening. And tomorrow, if that does not satisfy your bas college basketball needs, well, tomorrow the Elite Eight begins of the NAAC tournament. Texas Tech will be facing off against Gonzaga, and then Purdue will be taking on um, Virginia. Andrew, I just want to get your thoughts on this. Um, what are some of the key matchups, and what are your, some of your predictions as well um, for the um, upcoming schedule in March Madness? You know what? I have Duke going all the way, man. You know, Virginia Tech is going to give uh, Duke a little fight, but Duke will pull through. Then we have LSU versus Michigan State. I got Michigan State for that one. And then per the one game I really want to see is Purdue versus Virginia. The way Virginia has been playing, and I, Purdue has been surprising to me. I, I can't wait to watch that game tomorrow. How about you, Darius? What are your what are your your predictions? Well, I'm also you know I'm very interested to see what Duke has to offer, especially their one point win over um, UF or UFC or USCF, excuse me, seventy seven seventy six. Um, you know, RJ Barrett, you know, with that game winning layup, and then you know Zion Williamson really carried the team in that game. I'm going to be really interested to see what how Duke is going to bounce back after a lot of people are now you know. Um, the suspicions have increased, Andrew, and if um, Duke is wanting to go all the way, they're really going to have to prove it tonight, especially against a four-seed uh, Virginia Tech. However, I definitely do think it's a very winnable game for Duke, as, of course, if when you have Zion Williamson on your team, and just the freak of nature that he is, that gives you an advantage almost every night. And that concludes our college basketball, but we're going to uh, stay put on the topic with of basketball still and we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers who unfortunately lost last night by um, a final score of 116 to 110 to the San Antonio Spurs. The Cavs were outscored by 12 in the third quarter 28 to 40. I tell you Andrew these third quarters have been killing the Cavs yeah, in these man. last few games and um, this past Tuesday 
in Cleveland, the Boston Celtics came to town, and the Cavs were able to keep that competitive. However, the Boston Celtics were able to um, pull away as Jason Tatum had 21 points, Al Horford with 19, Marcus Smart with a surprising 21, um, Terry Rozier with 11, Gordon Hayward with 15. This was one of those games where if you're a Celtics fan and you're thinking to yourself, you know, is this team better with or without Kyrie? For those who say that this team is better without Kyrie, um, this uh, Celtics versus Cavs game was really one big piece of evidence um, that could lead to someone saying that kind of statement. And then this past Sunday, the Cavs lost to the best team in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks, by a final score of 105 to 127. Um, the Cavs actually had a decent third quarter. Um, 22 to 22 was the score in that third quarter. However, the Bucks outscored the Cavs by eight in the second quarter and then by nine in the fourth quarter to really gain momentum. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. with 13 points on the day, Kevin Love with 20, and then Colin Sexton had 18 on that Sunday afternoon in Milwaukee. And in terms of standings, the Cavs, of course, are well out of the playoffs. They've already been mathematically eliminated. We knew that probably in, what, November? Yeah. Um, so... Their Cavs overall record now is 19 and 57. They're 6 and 31 on the road and 13 and 26 um, at home. Their upcoming schedule um, includes um, a continuation of this West Coast road trip. As tomorrow um, matinees start for um, in Los Angeles. As at 3:30 Eastern time, uh, the Cavs will be in La La Land to take on not the Lakers but the Clippers. Um, good news about this game is that the Cavs have already um, bagged out a win in L.A. against the LeBronless Lakers. However, this Clippers team is obviously much better than the Lakers, you know, especially with the likes of Lou Williams and uh, Montrezl Harrell. They really don't have a superstar. They're almost like the Brooklyn Nets of the West, Andrew, as you know, they don't have a superstar. They have a lot of room for a superstar. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who wants to play in... Um, Los Angeles may favor the Clippers instead of the Lakers. Um, so, of course, the Cavs will play the Clippers in Los Angeles tomorrow at 3.30. Then they head uh, to the desert in Phoenix uh, to take on the appalling Suns. So two of the worst teams in the NBA will be facing off this upcoming Monday. And then they'll head back to California for a matchup with De'Aaron Fox and the Kings before um, heading to the Bay Area for their final road game of the year um, against you know who the Golden State Warriors. Then they come home for a two-game homestand, which will, of course, conclude their season. So, Andrew, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. You know, Colin Sexton, I don't know if you heard this, but um, I said last in the last show that Colin Sexton is better than Lonzo Ball. You know, just the month that Colin Sexton's having. And just his overall progression as a player has been elevated far more than that um, I've analyzed of Lonzo Ball. Um, what's your overall analysis of what's of uh, this past week for the Cavs, and what do they have to look forward to in this upcoming offseason? You know what? I, I totally agree with you. Colin Sexton is um, he's way better than Lonzo Ball, like a lot better. Um, but during the offseason, we really should get Colin Sexton someone to maybe another veteran he can he can look up to. But we should keep like players like Kevin Love, um, maybe. And we should keep Brandon Knight, too, to really show him how to be a guard in the NBA. 
You know, another thing that I th definitely a task at hand for the Cavs is, you know, either dealing J.R. Smith or finding a way to have J.R. Smith back on this team because J.R. Smith is basically being paid not to play basketball this season. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the Cavs, I'm either I'm going to J.R. and I'm saying, hey, look, either we're paying you and you're playing for this team or we're dealing you somewhere else because, you know, right now this is this this is inexcusable. Um, JR needs to be on that court. You know, I don't really know the mental issues or anything else that's going on right now. But, I mean, he's, Andrew, he's been out pretty much in the entire season, um, just as Kevin Love has been. And I definitely think that has to be one of the top uh, lists on the itinerary for the Cavs this summer. And now we're going to move on, Andrew, um, away from the Cavs and now to just overall NBA playoff talk. Um, Andrew, uh, we have to really start getting our brackets ready for the NBA playoffs mm -hmm. and getting our standing lists ready. And if the playoffs started today, here would be the Eastern Conference matchups. You have the number one Bucks against the number eight Heat, two seed Raptors, seven seed Nets, three seed Sixers um, going against the six seed Pistons, and then the four seeded Pacers are going up against the fifth seeded Celtics. So before we move on to the Western Conference, Andrew, what matchup of that um, that I just listed, would you, if the playoffs started today, would you be really interested in seeing? The Bucks and the Heat. I really like how the Heat have been playing lately with Josh Richardson. I, I really like him as a player. But I kind of wish that the Heat, I could see them against uh, like the Nets because I want to see them go even further in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the Bucks and the Heat. You know, Andrew, one uh, matchup that I'm really looking forward to is that 4-5 matchup. That's always a great matchup. And you have the Pacers and the Celtics. But the big news is, is that the Celtics don't have home court. So the first two games would actually be in Indianapolis, and the Pacers would have home court advantage. Um, no doubt about it, though, I would definitely pick the Celtics um, to win that series um, in six games. If the Celtics had home court advantage, then I would uh, pick them to win the series in five games. But just due to their appalling season, they're honestly lucky to be in the playoffs yeah. right now. If they were in the Western Conference, Andrew, they would be out of the playoffs. Yeah, they would, yeah. And, um, you know, especially given the fact that the Pacers don't have Oladipo for the rest of the season, it's going to be extremely hard for them to come by wins, especially in postseason time when um, everything is on the line. Therefore, even though they don't have home court advantage, I would pick the Boston Celtics to um, defeat the Indiana Pacers um, if these standings, um, based on these standings of the playoffs began today. And interestingly enough, the Indiana Pacers actually play against the Boston Celtics today at TD Garden. Oh. So, you know, the four seed, four or five seed are still really up for grabs. And like I said, these playoff standings are by no means, um, officially, um, done or anything. Now, moving on to the Western Conference, of course, the Golden State Warriors still have the number one seed. And if the playoffs began today, they'd be taking on the Spurs for the third year in a row in the playoffs. Um, the past two years, the Warriors, of course, swept the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals after Kawhi Leonard's unfortunate injury. And then they defeated the Spurs in five games last year in the first round, um, again, without Kawhi Leonard. Um, the Nuggets, the two seed Nuggets, would be taking on... The Oklahoma City Thunder, who I'm really surprised um, are in the seventh seed. And, you know, they've been struggling a little bit, but that just shows you in the Western Conference, you cannot struggle, Andrew, at all. You have to be on your A game. And with this little losing streak that the Thunder have come upon, they find themselves in seventh place. 
Um, moving on, the Trailblazers, who are the third seed, would t take on the Los Angeles Clippers, and then the Rockets and the Jazz would face off in the first round. Last year, the Rockets beat the Jazz in five games in the conference semifinal. So, Andrew, I'll start with you. What um, series, if the playoffs began today, in the Western Conference would you be interested in seeing? You know what? I don't care who they play, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch the Clippers. Charles Barkley, he predicted they'd get 33 wins. ESPN, he predict, they predicted they would get 33 wins. And now they're going to be in the playoffs. And they have 45 wins right now. So I don't care who they're playing. They're the team I'm going to watch. And, you know, Andrew, I'm really surprised. I thought the Lakers were going to be the uh, glamorous franchise um, of Los Angeles. But really, it's surprisingly, it's been the Clippers. Clippers. The Clippers have been playing extremely well. Um, one matchup that I'd honestly look forward to is the Nuggets and the Thunder. You know, yes, it is a 2-7 matchup, so it might be, it generally is heavily one-sided on the uh, higher seed. But this is the Oklahoma City Thunder team with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and of course an elite bench. This is one of the best benches that Russell Westbrook has uh, been able to play with in his career. And then of course you have Paul George, um, who really was an MVP candidate on earlier in the season, but after his um, unfortunate injury, that's kind of died down a little bit. Um, but still, the Nuggets really don't have a lot of playoff experience. The Nuggets um, are almost in the same situation as the Milwaukee Bucks are. And the fact that it's that experience factor that plays in. The Nuggets or the Bucks don't have a ton of playoff experience, which is why um, I'm extremely interested to see how that playoff experience and plus that um, talent of Oklahoma City can go up against the higher-seeded and more confident um, Denver Nuggets. All right, so get into the Mavericks with Dirk. You know how Luke has been playing. He's going. He's most definitely going to be the Rookie of the Year. They have they traded for Chris Stops, Porzingis, but um, some reporters had a little talk with Dirk about uh, Luka Doncic and Chris Stops, and uh, this is this is what Dirk said. The 2011 Finals were going on. His mom wouldn't let him get up that early in the morning because she was like 12. Does he ask questions about uh, 2011, or or no. do you tell him anything about 2011? Is he becoming? No, every time I mention the past, he's like, "You're so old, you're so old." <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he doesn't listen, you know. He's uh, he's, uh, he's a young man, but uh, he's an old soul, I guess. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't want to hear some of them, my old stories. Porzingis loves him a lot. Porzingis, yeah, shows a little more respect towards me than, uh, than Luca does. I was like, I feel like there could be a problem in respect to other players in the future. Um, how about you, Darius? No, Andrew, I really don't think this is, such, this is a big concern. I mean, you could hear reporters laughing. You could hear Dirk laughing. Um, you know, Luka Doncic, you know, as phenomenal as he's been, let's not forget, he's a rookie. Um, this is his mm -hmm. first year in the NBA. And, of course, he's going to be a little bit full of himself. I really, If I'm the Mavericks, I'm Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, if I'm the NBA, I'm really not taking this, I'm blowing this out of proportions. Um, this is really just one of those side conversations that just happen to have some laughs. And, um, you know, there's really, there shouldn't be any feelings of, um, you know, resentment or hate towards, from an in individual towards any other. This really isn't that much of a deal. You know, but uh, I've heard a lot of talk of Kristaps being overrated and that he's really just a bus you know I don't understand that the way he played in New York but now he's he's working with Dirk in the gym you know and and Dirk isn't he he's won the finals he like he's beaten Kobe beat LeBron that super team 
you know, he, I think Kristaps is going to be really good when, once he's able to come back on the court. And that's why playing with the Mavericks was, you know, is going to be great for, you know, a player like Kristaps. You know, playing with the Knicks, that's really not, you know, all the drama that's going on yeah. over there. That's really not the best place for you to, you know, be with a quality team and elevate your game. Here with the Mavericks, you know, the Mavericks are an emerging team in the Western Conference. Are they going to make the playoffs? You know, probably not, given, you know, their 14th in the Western Conference. There's no way that they can make it now. They're 29 and 46. But um, Luca, or excuse me, Kristaps Porzingis being able to learn off of, you know, the qualities, um, the physical characteristics of someone like Dirk Nowitzki and how he became such, you know, one of the NBA greats is definitely going to help a play, an emerging player, you know, like Kristaps, who's um, coming off a series of injuries in New York. Playing in Dallas will definitely help him become more of a consistent player. You know, in New York, he put up, you know, 22, about 23 points in 32 minutes. You know, he was their best player. And now with Dirk, he can definitely elevate um, not only his game, but also others around him. And I have some information about the uh, NBA draft. Here's the um, mock draft. So for number one, we have Zion Williamson going to New York. And then R.J. Barrett to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Then... The Phoenix Suns, Jamor. You know, I think that's a really good pick for Phoenix. Jamor, he's a he's a great point guard. I think in the future they could be some serious final contenders. And then number six, we have the Bulls with uh, Darius Garland. Number five, um, going to Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter. And number six, I'm going to end here. But the pick, it's it's supposed to go to Memphis, but Memphis actually traded it to the Celtics. Now this is really good for the Celtics. They they can get some new young guys on the team, you know, and like people have been talking, like the Celtics are they can be the next Warriors soon if the players stay on the team. Now they they are supposed to be getting Cam Reddish, you know, he's he's on Duke. He's a pretty he's a pretty nice player. So if he can, if they can get someone like him, I can see them being some like they can be going back to back in the finals. Well, yeah, I definitely think Andrew that uh, Zion Williamson is of course going to go number one. Um, the Knicks are the worst team in the league this year, so it only, it's only fitting that he plays um, for the Knicks. And what a better place to do it, like um, in a city like New York City, where you know he can he has a, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Though that's the one thing that um, causes a little bit of concern for me. Um, and we know how serious New York Knicks fans are about their basketball, and I'm actually very nervous to um, how Zion Williamson is going to perform in such a, um, such a hostile um, city when it comes to basketball mm-hmm. because these Knicks fans have been subject to um, absolute hell for these last you know, these last couple of years. Yeah. We've know, uh, you know, if you watch Stephen A. Smith on ESPN First Take, you can really get a first-person view of how being a Knicks fan feels like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, it's going to be great playing for an esteemed franchise like the Knicks, but I think what Zion Williamson also has to know is that there's going to be a lot of pressure. And who knows, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving might, you know, form a duo in New York along mm-hmm. with Zion Williamson if that happened. If that happened, um, the Knicks should be a playoff team for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't see why Kyrie Irving signing with the Knicks um, would make very much sense. I would honestly rather stay, have, mm-hmm. if I'm Kyrie, I would just rather stay a Celtic and actually convince Kevin Durant to join me in Boston and not New York. But that's a whole another different topic. But... Yeah, that's my analysis concerning, you know, especially Zion Williamson is really going to be the talk of this year's draft. And um, 
that's my analysis on if he were to be on the New York Knicks. All right, now talk about the MVP, NBA MVP. Who do you got? Um, you know, it's obvious for me, Andrew, it's James Harden. The, the stats that this guy has been putting up, he's playing better than he was last year. And, of course, last year he won the MVP. Um, last night against Denver, 38 points. And then last Friday against the San Antonio Spurs, he put up 61 points. Oh, and guess what? In the game before that, against that 61, with before that 61 point performance against the Spurs, the game right before that, he had 57 in Memphis against the Grizzlies, which was a back-to-back game um, on away game on the road, basically. Um, James Harden is putting up absolutely phenomenal numbers. Yes, we can talk about oh, Giannis is carrying his team, and he's the best player in the NBA, and the Bucks wouldn't be anywhere without him. But let's be honest here, where would the Rockets be without James Harden? I know they have Chris Paul, and Chris Paul is a phenomenal point guard. He's yeah. one of the best point guards of this, this generation. But without that extra level in James Harden, the Rockets are basically a struggling team getting into the playoffs and then losing in the first round. With James Harden, they not only they don't only have a chance to make the conference finals, they also have a chance to beat the Warriors and maybe even win a championship. He's just that good and that special. Giannis Antetokounmpo, to me, as phenomenal as he's been, cannot shoot to save his life. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Give me Kevin Durant every day of the week over Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't know about Kevin Durant over Giannis, you know? What? I, mean, I don't know. Kevin Durant isn't much of a leader. Giannis can really lead his team. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. They, they don't need Kevin. The Warriors don't need Kevin Durant to be a leader. They need Kevin Durant to be a pure scorer. And this guy quietly has been averaging 27 points a game this season. Mm-hmm. So, and plus, you know, Kevin Durant is a phenomenal three-point shooter. 38% um, three-point shooting range. Um, for Giannis Antetokounmpo, his um, three-point shooting um, hasn't been great. We know that he's not a terrific shooter. He's almost like the Ben Simmons of the Milwaukee Bucks. If he can shoot the basketball, he can be a phenomenal player. Um, the problem is, though, is that, you know, he's probably the most dominant player. I mean, I'm, I'll give you that. But give me Kevin Durant every day of the week because Kevin Durant can shoot. Kevin Durant has the exquisite ball handling. And he's quietly averaging, you know, 27 points per game. All right. And, you know, I, I agree with you. James Harden will be the MVP. The way he's been, he's been scoring all the 50-point games, the 62-point game he just recently had. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really just like saying, like, like Luca will be the Rookie of the Year. James Harden will be the MVP. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And that is it for our um, basketball discussions for this week. Now let's move on to MLB baseball as the Cleveland Indians, who last night with their um, opening game of the season in Minnesota um, against the Twins. This uh, began, or excuse me, yeah, this began a um, the first of three meetings between the Indians and the Twins in Minnesota to kick off the season. Unfortunately, the season didn't start as the way the Indians wanted it to, as they lost 2-0 to the Twins. They actually, um, the score was tied at 0-0 for the first six innings, and then in the seventh inning, the Indians gave up um, two runs to the Twins and um, eventually lost it, of course, by a final score of two to nothing. 
Andrew, last night um, in this in the Indians um, versus Twins game, what were some positives and what were some negatives that you saw overall from uh, the Indians? You know what? A lot of negatives. I'll, I'll tell you that it's pretty it's pretty hard for them to really get the bats going and even the uh, the defense without Francisco Lindor. You know he's he's hurt right now. You know. Jose Ramirez didn't have a nice game at all. He had four at-bats with zero hits, nothing. You know, there was maybe, there was, there was only two hits in the game. That's that's really bad, you know, for a team that has some pretty nice hitters. Like Carlos Santana, he can get the bats going, you know. And Jose Ramirez, he was he was in the home run, the, I mean, the home run derby. You know, he should really be getting the bat going too. So I don't understand why this team isn't getting... Like at least I'd say ten hits a game, you know. It's this is crazy. Like two hits, that's it's not good. And Andrew, you know, the one positive thing that I'd be able to take out from this is that you've seen okay, you've seen this team, this Minnesota team, for the first time this season. Now um, they they play this Minnesota team two more times uh, over the weekend. Uh, one on Saturday, one on um, Sunday before they head back to Cleveland for their home for their home opener against the Chicago White Sox, but. Um, now the Indians really can figure out what got this Minnesota team going and how they can really, um, you know, stop what Minnesota was able to do and improve their overall performance and then see the tactics that Minnesota has maybe to improve and actually um, walk out of Minnesota with two wins against the Twins. You know, what are your thoughts on that and um, how can the Indians maybe even do that? You know, you can't always rely on the pitching. We have... We have wonderful pitchers, Corey Kluber, uh, Carlos um, Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, you know, but you always can't rely on them to to get a strike, strike everybody out. You're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to work on the defense as hard as you can. You're really going to have to get those hits, help out your pitcher, man. You know, that's not what happened last game. And speaking of the Indians, um, as we did mention, they um, this next weekend they have two games in Minnesota this upcoming uh, Saturday. And Sunday, both at 2.10 in the afternoon, they'll be taking on the Twins. Um, and then this upcoming Monday, the home opener at Progressive Field um, will be for the Indians as the Chicago White Sox come to town to take on the Tribe. Um, that will begin a brief two-game homestand between um, the White Sox and Indians. And then the Blue Jays will be coming to Cleveland for a total of four games. Um all each within a day of the other. So if you're an Indians fan, you definitely have a lot of action coming your way um, in these next few weeks here. And um, and uh, keep going in the MLB. The whole MLB will be affected by this new rule, how they're trying to make the game go faster by adding a pitching clock. You know, and Bryce Harper has even said, like, it's either you keep the game how it is or you just don't show up at all. You know, I totally agree with him. I, I like the game how it is. I like going to a baseball game. I like the pace of the baseball game. I'm totally fine with it. How about you, Darius? What do you what do you think of these rules? Um, well, you know, I think it definitely hinders, um, you know, w- with this pitching clock, it hinders um, the pitcher who really takes his time to figure out to how he can get that batter, yeah. um, you know, basically get the strikeout. And one thing this rule hinders is now it has that pitcher think um have a lot less time to think and that can really change the entire outcome of a game you know especially if that pitcher isn't able to get the certain number of outs 
um, that they want or strikeouts, it'll definitely affect um, the entire outcome of a specific game or maybe even, you know, a play in, you know, the playoffs in a series when that series deciding game five or game seven, it's really going to matter. Um, am I a fan of this? You know, not, not really. I think, like you said, Andrew, the games have been going well, um, the way they have been played. That's just my overall take on this new idea of the pitching clock. And last but certainly not least, we're going to take a trip uh, from Progressive Field all the way to First Energy Stadium on the uh, Lake Shore. As the Cleveland Browns, I talked about this in our last show, um, have officially received Odell Beckham Jr., of course. Um, we already know about Odell Beckham Jr. and what he can do, Andrew. What I'm really um, intrigued about is now how this, is, this roster is really looking. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. The Browns are going to make the Super Bowl. Um, and I don't blame them. I mean, with this roster, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. And then Baker Mayfield, who had a sensational rookie year. You have Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, um, Miles Garrett. I mean, these, and of course, Nordonia's very own Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Andrew, I wanted, I was really interested to get your take um, on this Cleveland Browns team since you weren't here for our last show. But, you know, Andrew, what is your overall analysis on this roster and how do you think that they can, you know, make a playoff push and maybe even make the Super Bowl? You know, I don't think we're on Super Bowl terms just yet. It is Baker's second season. Baker is a, he's a great player. He's one of, he's going to be one of the best, but I, I still think sometimes maybe guys can get in his head, but we will be losing Kareem Hunt for eight games because of his suspension, excuse me. But other than that, I th- there's still teams like um, the Chiefs. They're still really good. And the Patriots, even though they did lose Gronk because he retired, they still have a lot of nice players. So I think it, it's a run for their money. And now the NFL just passed a new rule that's going to affect every team. This is basically because we saw during the Saints and Rams game that when Drew Brees passed it to Lewis, there was some really bad interference that the um, refs didn't call. So this is basically that the teams, they can challenge any play now, any play there is. You know, I, I don't really like this role, you know, because there's just it's going to make the game slower. I mean, there's going to be a lot of times where there's nothing like you can really challenge and they're still going to challenge it, you know. I, I just don't know about this role. So that is going to do it for uh, today's show. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us uh, this week. It was really awesome to have you here. And um, I also want to let you guys know that if you haven't checked it out yet, please make sure that you um, look at my Twitter account, at Nordonia Sports. Um, you can also uh, check out you know previous shows we've had. You can go on NordoniaHills.news and also see all the awesome things that are going on here in the Nordonia community. But um, that's going to do it for uh, this week. We'll see you this upcoming Friday. Um, for another episode of the Cleveland Sports Show. Until then, guys, have a um, terrific week, and go Cavs, um, as well as Indians, and we'll see you um, for another episode of the Cleveland Sports Show very soon. Take care.